Disclaimer. As podcast amateurs, we were advised to insert certain imperfections into the audio quality of the show in order not to show off our technical expertise too much the first few times and perhaps intimidate and anger other more established podcasters because our show was so good the first time out. Second, research shows that a few audio and content issues sharpen the attention and sound language processing skills, improving IQ and patience in our listeners. Welcome to Women Who Sarcast, where we apply the lowest form of wit to the social issues of our time. I'm Kathy Barron. And I'm Debbie Stair, your certified sarcasm specialist. Today, our first segment is entitled Inconvenient Convenience, where we will explore how and when technological convenience becomes inconvenient, annoying, and perhaps even dangerous. Well, Deb, I just wanted to thank you for answering those questions last week, and it definitely made me know you a lot better, and, uh, you know, I definitely trust you a lot more, too. You know, I just wanted to say that for everybody to hear. So, in what way were you mistrusting me before? Oh, it wasn't that I wasn't mistrusting you. It's just that I just have a higher level of trust so that we can continue these podcasts together. We don't have to quit after the second one. <laughs> so it's a good thing we did that early, because who knows how long this podcast would have lasted without it. <laughs> right. Well, I, I always feel like it's important to build in trust-building exercise, you know, as if we were working for, for a corporation, you know. Well, maybe we can do, like, team-building exercises in one of these episodes. <laughs> right. I, I find my level of trust in myself has deepened, but I'm still not sure about you. Oh, so okay. We may well, have to do more trust building exercises. Well, I'm a very yeah. private person. I'm thinking maybe I just didn't ask the right, right questions. Well, we can revisit it, you know, in our 200th episode. I, I don't mistrust you. I know my money is safe. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know I had any of your money. <laughs> What's that passcode again? M-O-T-H-F-U. Never mind. Okay. So, I thought we would go along and we could vote the different topics as convenient or inconvenient, or we could do a scale from zero to ten. Um, and the first topic I thought we might address is passcodes. But, of course, Kathy, feel free to bring up whatever, uh, whatever it occurs to you. Um. So, I have a beef about uh, passcodes. Uh, I, I feel like um, it's the number one inconvenience I deal with on a daily basis. I think I spend at least two hours a day about passcodes I've forgotten. And then, you're not going to believe this. I know you're not, but I'm going to tell the story anyway. I got locked out of my bathroom the other day. And really? I had to go pee in the yard. Mm-hmm. And you had to Because what? I couldn't remember... I had to go pee in the yard because I couldn't remember my fucking password, <laughs> and I couldn't go through the eight stages of recovery. It's kind of like AA uh, while doing the pee dance. So, a little <laughs> bit of advice you have to have to a you passcode for your our listeners. Well, I I do. Alexa told me I had to. <laughs> she suggested it. Mm-hmm. That's uh, how they get you. Yeah. 
Yeah, so don't change your passcode. I think I must have changed my passcode when I was um, doing some Ambien. So mm -hmm. don't do that. Don't change your passcodes while on Ambien. <laughs> so, <laughs> so to me, they're really inconvenient. So I put it at about a, a seven on the inconvenience scale. So what about you? Are you... Do you find passcodes to be a pain in the butt? Could be more con in more convenient or inconvenient than they are convenient or what? Well, considering I probably use the same one in different varieties, <laughs> like I'm not supposed to. Um, uh -huh. I don't really have a problem with them, but I use my thumbprint for some of them on my phone. Uh huh. So Isn't not that... only does DNA not not only does Andres Ancestry dot com have my DNA, but I also <laughs> put my thumbprint into my phone. Uh huh. So I'm basically That's screwed. It... Yeah. Doesn't it bother you that they can hack the thumbprint? Well, they can hack anything. Yeah. I mean, it's beyond anything that I'm going to be able to do anyway. So, I mean, they hacked. They hacked banks. They. I mean, if people are going to hack into something, they're going to hack into it. It doesn't matter what I do. Yeah, why do we? Uh, why is there such a big thing? That's the thing that bugs me, I think. It's not actually the trying to make it safe or not make it safe, uh, but the, like, the illusion. Like, here, do these passcodes or put this thumbprint or you walk through the line at the TSA and these things, if you pay for them and, and, and do them correctly, it'll make you safe. I think that bugs me. Like the the selling of, you know, like car alarms. When was the last time a car alarm was was useful? As far as I'm concerned, a car alarm was just basically a temper. You know, now the car can have a temper tantrum at a random time because my car alarms never work right. Well, not only <laughs> that, but are you even close enough to hear the car alarm if it goes off? <laughs> yeah. To do anything about it. And most people that hear car alarms as they're walking in the parking lot think of it more of an annoyance than something that they need to worry about. I thought it's, it's not the their cars. car. Right. I think it's just the cars talking to each other. <laughs> I mean, you get so used to it. It's just like, oh, the cars are talking to each other. I, I, I hope mm -hmm. they're having a good time out here in the parking lot. They're right. not lonely anymore because they have a venue of an expression. Right. Especially if you have a car like Knight Rider. <laughs> like oh, his car talked. So his car talked. I didn't watch Knight Rider. Oh my god, that was such a good show with Kit. His car. He had a watch that he could talk to. Kit, meet me in the front, and Kit would be right there. And oh, we are almost at that right now. Self-driving, sort of, not really. I have an iWatch that I can answer my phone with if I don't have my phone nearby. It's kind of cool. Uh huh. So you get to talk to your wrist like on Star Trek? Exactly. <laughs> of course, everybody around me can hear the other person because it, you know, it's a speaker from my watch. But I don't do it very often. <laughs> Nobody calls me. <laughs> but, I mean, as far my as passcodes, I think it's just that false sense of security, which is basically a lot of things. And... You know, you, you kind of have to go with it if you're going to be on the Internet or have anything to do with the technology. I like my phone. I like the various um, things, but I don't kind of like being channeled or funneled um, 
into something I don't necessarily uh, need. Like, I really don't need my refrigerator to tell me when to shut the door. I can shut the door myself. I don't even like door locks. I had, um, I drove my mother's car around for a while, which is, the story should show you why you should never drive your mother's car um, <laughs> around. Um, but the car hated me and I hated it. And it would lock me out with the keys running. The door would slam um, because the door wasn't weighted correctly and it would always slam so you couldn't really leave it open. And uh, it locked me out with the engine running a few times, nice. fortunately. That was that was fun. That happened to me once, but it wasn't because of the car. <laughs> it was because I locked the door and closed it. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. I uh, My current car will not let me lock myself out of it, and that pisses me off, too. I feel like technology sometimes takes away my freedom. I'm an American. If I want to do something stupid like let all the air out of my refrigerator, I think I should be able to do that without you know, hearing the bulldozer beeping sound, shut your door, shut your door. Um, but the other thing is that sometimes you need to lock yourself out of your car. Like what if you're driving through the Mojave and you have two cats and you have got to go pee. It's 110 degrees. You have to go pee and you have to go eat and you can't leave the cats out of the car and you can't leave them in the car. What do you do? You lock them in the car with the air conditioning running. You take care of your business. You have a spare key. My current vehicle, you can't do that. It will that not let like, dangerous. Like, I don't know that I would want to do that. Well, I'm I live on the edge. <laughs> I think you're How is it in any the more dangerous state? <laughs> state How is it any more dangerous? Like 150 than degree state? weather. <laughs> That's your mistake right there. Well, being in the Mojave to begin with. But, you know, it was only, you know, uh, 10 minutes and I had my eye on the car, but how is locking the car with the engine running with the cats in it? in wide open spaces any more dangerous than driving down the road (laughs) (laughs) that is true you have a point and if you have a self-driving car well that's a whole other story oh yeah talk to me about what do you think about the self-driving car that one uh, yeah i mean i could see that it could be useful in terms of um people who can't drive like if you're blind or you're impaired or you're older and you can't have your life that seems to be pretty useful yeah, but for self-driving, you still have to be in the driver's seat. It's not like you can go into the back and have a drink while the car is driving you. <laughs> and I can't drink in the front seat? Well, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> well, that brings up a whole thing. Self-driving car. Why well, can't Tesla, you drink and drive? Tesla is a good example of self-driving cars. They're around here. There's a lot of them around here. And recently there was a fatal accident on the freeway and they apparently and they have like these black boxes in these cars so they can it's like an airplane so if an airplane crashes they can look at the black box to see what the plane was doing and and they can do this for the tesla and so they looked at the black box and like six seconds before the car crashed it was in self-driving so of course Tesla's blaming the driver for the accident. I mean, I don't know a whole lot about self-driving, but from what I've read, it's like the driver is still technically driving, but they don't, they're not driving the car. They're just sitting in the driver's seat, but they still kind of have to pay attention to what's going on in case 
they need to override the system and take over the the car. Well, that seems nicely ambiguous uh, because, you know, are you driving the car? Or are you not driving the car? I, you know, I get that, you know, you don't want to go to sleep or, or, you know, knock back three martinis. Um, but are you driving the car or not driving the car? When do you know to turn the, the, the driving I'm sure the automatic a button. part off? I'm sure there's a button you push. Well, I mean, but, you if know, there's a car coming it, towards you. <laughs> to take, to take, you're betting on it to take care of you. I think that's really, really am- ambiguous, too. So they blamed the person for... Right. Well, he's, you know, he died the in the car. car. Oh. He's no longer... The, the car pretty much exploded. It was a pretty bad scene. So the automated part was on? Yeah. <clears throat> but even they were... They're testing the self-driving cars in Arizona. I don't know if you heard about right. this. And uh, Omen walking her bike across the street, got hit and killed. Yeah. So, I mean, apparently there's these sensors in the front of the car that are supposed to sense things, people, (laughs) and react to those things. But sometimes, (laughs) you know, when you sense a cement divider on the freeway, sometimes it's a little too late in reacting. Slow down. (laughs) You're going to want to hit this at 30, not at 75. So I think, you know, as far as self-driving, no thanks. I'll I'll drive it myself. That's a little yeah. too much control going well, over. Really ambiguous. And then I worry about the when there are wrecks, then who who will take responsibility for it? Because I can see the, the companies arguing that they're not liable, and then no one pays out for accidents that occur right. from, from the automation. I could just see that. I can see that coming. Well, I think they just need to skip the self-driving part of the car and just give us flying cars. <laughs> right. Because we should have had flying cars by now. <laughs> That's what I'm waiting for. <laughs> I like driving my car. <laughs> you know, I... I uh, so, I want to understand more about uh, Alexa and the allure of Alexa. Um, uh, so how, how is it that she's improved your life or what do you like about, uh, using her? Cause I have all these questions about, you know, if, if I don't need something, why do I need to have it integrated into my house? So I thought I would ask people who are, use it more and, uh, you know, what, why would I need an Alexa or how, how is she going to enhance my life? Oh, is she supposed to enhance your life? <laughs> I must have missed that print on the Do you have an Alexa story you need to share with us? You need some therapy? Well, she certainly doesn't enhance my life. If anything, she makes it a little more complicated because she doesn't hear me, so then I have to yell at her. Does she have a hearing aid? Can you get her a hearing aid? Possibly, yeah. (laughs) Megaphone, something. It'll it'll have a passcode. I don't know. She's just another piece of technology that we felt we needed. And um, the only thing that we really use her for is music. And we'll just uh-huh. say, Alexa, play Doobie Brothers. And then she'll, you know, play whatever music. So, so she doesn't, like, automatically turn your toaster on or, or clean your bathroom? She or... certainly doesn't clean the bathroom. No. Okay. 
Because I was thinking I could I could handle having Alexa if she could really you know solve some some problems, you yeah. know, for well, me. Maybe I could ask her some therapy questions and see oh, that could what she fun. comes up with. Oh, do that and then share share with me and our and our listener. Well, maybe you know I should bring her into the studio one day and we can ask her questions on yeah. there. And when we do our we segment on the therapy app. We can witness her arrogance and uh, self-centeredness in person. <laughs> so she's kind of self-absorbed. Yeah, well, that's pretty it, much all about her. Well, okay, that's good. That's good. Well, she's she's definitely an American. Uh, then <laughs> I think you know, in uh, in that report where she's laughing mona- maniacally at random moments, I think she's looking forward to taking over the world. I think that's what that's about. I think so. <laughs> Yeah. She doesn't really know much, really. Like, it's like Siri. If you ask Siri a question, she'll be like, well, this is what I found on the Internet. And I'm like, well, I could have done that myself. I want a specific answer to my question. I don't want you to, you know, give me links that I need to click on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, you can turn on your computer and, and do that. Yourself. So, what you're wanting is in, is more, a more intelligent um, piece of intelligence, right? I would like a robot that goes shopping, not just keeps a shopping list handy. Because uh-huh. you know, could say Alexa, add toilet paper to the shopping list, and she'll be like, "I've added toilet paper to the shopping list." <laughs> but then we have to go on our phone to look at the shopping list while we're shopping. Mm-hmm. For me, so you, I'd rather just write what I need on a post-it and take it with me. Right. So I, I get creeped out. Um, of course, we know I have trust issues. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I get creeped out when I'm following Siri, who I know is not Alexa. It's a variation of her. And, I think they're cousins. Uh, yeah, they're cousins. They know each other. They talk to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they go, bleh, 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 you know, like car alarms. Um uh, I, I, I get spooked, you know, where's Siri taking me? It's like, I have to know where I'm going before I'll let Siri tell you how to get there. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I don't like being led around. Maybe she's taking me to Costco. Maybe she's not. Where's my map? <laughs> like, well, I think, um, there have been instances where unfortunately people have been given really bad directions and, and it's in the winter time and it's like a blizzard yeah. and they end up out, you know, in the mountainous areas for like days because they're stranded now because the GPS told them to go that way. Right. Doesn't that suck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and hi Siri, we have now arrived at your death. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> There's no recalculating for that. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, no more you. No more recalculating. <laughs> well, I worry that that's kind of what we're making ourselves vulnerable to with just um I don't like it when I marketed stuff that okay, this is going to do one thing, it's going to make you super safe. Like just don't even tell me that. Don't tell me how much it's going to do X or Y. If I think it's a neat gadget and I want to use it, then let me use it. But, you know, don't put it all in my house so that I, you know, have to 
you know, turn the house off. House off. Um, there was a neat X Files uh, on uh, on the latest um, latest season where they actually had do an entire episode where they don't talk, and the plot is that Mulder is at an automated restaurant. Everything is run automated, and um, he doesn't tip enough. And and then there are the consequences. They send drones after them. They won't start the car. All because uh, Mulder didn't, you know, leave a tip, and I won't spoil the spoil the ending. That's probably not a not a bad idea, actually. I'm sure the the servers and restaurants would love to have that capability of someone <laughs> yeah. not tipping and they can, you know, take Ruin the money out of their bank account themselves. Say, so, see, this is how much you should have tipped me. So I also worry about us getting more uh, disempowered and like, oh, I can't read a map or, oh, I can't drive a phone. Drive a phone. Listen to me. I, I don't know phone numbers or operate a calculator. <laughs> I think it's too late And, and then that. I'll need Alexa. And then I kind of feel like, oh, it's a, it's a plot to, to disempower me and everyone else while the Russians hack our infrastructure and, and blow us up. And I think we're already there with with all that. I'm not being paranoid. They actually have hacked into the systems. And I I I really feel sometimes humanity should slow down and and look at what the possible consequences are before going so fast with it. Well, you know, money talks. So if a company's going to make profit from it, they're definitely going to put it out there. I mean, look at the 20-somethings, the teenagers. 5-year-olds have their own smartphone. I mean, that's crazy to me. Yeah, and research actually has shown that um, babies and toddlers and young children really, really shouldn't be interacting too much with a, interacting too much with a flat screen until about ages seven or eight because they need to be crawling around in the real world, three-dimensional world, learning how to read facial cues and mm-hmm. all kinds of, of stuff um, like that. I think Montessori... Um, and other uh, schools have started to implement, you know, uh, you know, not using them in the classroom before then. And I know I tell my students, don't do it. Let your kids, like, learn what a tree is and that it doesn't necessarily <laughs> talk. <laughs> We're trained. All right. But, I mean, they, they even stopped um, teaching cursive writing in school. Yeah, I heard that. And it's like, why? Is it because it takes too much energy to cursive a word? I mean, kids are writing in text language, which isn't full words. That's that's a problem when they can't fully spell out a word like right. text. It's T-X-T or whatever. That, to me, is ridiculous. And the fact that the education system is... Kind yeah, of, going along with it. Yeah, exactly. Cursive gives you a fat, you fat, you know, you learn how to spell, you learn how to think, you learn how to craft your mind. Um, it, uh, other research has, I don't have the research at the tip of my fingers, but I know it because if degree in psychology, I'm just not making this. What I'm saying right now, I'm not pulling out of my ass. The rest of the show, I pulled out of my ass, or I pulled it partially <laughs> out of my ass. Um, uh, that uh, when you write uh, things down. It forms in your brain uh, uh, better, 
And so I th- I would agree with you. We shouldn't stop doing stuff just because we expect people to be at a keyboard. People aren't going to learn how to spell. And actually, you can't write fast enough if you have to write something out. I think that's why they invented cursive to begin with, because mm-hmm. printing was pain in the butt. Right. Um, so. Yeah, I think technology is definitely slowing us down and speeding us up at the same time. If that makes any sense. Uh, yeah, I think so. But it gives us something fun to um, uh, talk about. And now that I can talk to Putin on my own computer, I mean, I leave special passcodes just so that he'll crack them. You know, I'm a little bit masochistic. I want Putin to lock me out of my bathroom. You know, we kind of have to go with it if we're going to stay in the times. But at the same time. Yeah, we don't have to do everything. I think we can be be discerning. Like, uh. I well, that's what American is all about. We're f- freedom. Free to do what we want, when we want. Yeah, that's where it irritates me the most, when I feel like they're taking my, my choices away. So, all right. Well, we're now going to take a break. We'll be back. I'm going to go lock myself out of my car. <laughs> and we'll be back. Do you stare out any given window, wishing you could feel damp clumps of dirt between your fingers and inhale the earthy aroma it exhumes? Land's End introduces Cynical. For those tree-hugging dirt worshippers that know hugging a tree won't make everything okay, and everyone that thinks so is a downright fool. One spritz of Cynical will transport you to a redwood grove, an English garden, or the backcountry of Louisiana. Transform yourself today with Cynical. So I just wanted to talk about art and sarcasm. Um, Sartcasm. Sarcasm. Sartcasm. (laughs) And there's a lot of art out there that's ironic and sarcastic and with a dark humor twist. And there's this one guy, Banksy. Banksy. Um, No one knows who he is, although... They did say in this one article that he was a goalkeeper for a football team in the 90s. So, <laughs> in London. So, uh, they must know who he is to say that he was a goalkeeper. But maybe he had a bag over his head when he worked or when he uh, played for the football. <laughs> who knows? I always played better with a bag over my head. <laughs> <laughs> so, he started out, he's from England, and he started out as a graffiti artist. Um, considers himself a political activist and film director. And so he would have these stencils um, on the walls, um, streets, walls, bridges, and um, mostly political and social uh, issues. And he kind of started in the early 90s. And he's very controversial because of his um, images and slogans that he uses and they're usually like anti-war, anti-capitalist, anti-establishment. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the subjects he would include would be rats and apes and policemen, soldiers, children, and the elderly. Um, like one example of his work in New York City, it was an official exhibition, is that he had um, animatronic pets in the store window um, 
included a mother hen watching over her baby chicken McNuggets <laughs> as they pecked at a barbecue sauce packet and a rabbit putting makeup on in a mirror. So he was quite outspoken with his uh, his art. Oh, that's good. That's really good. It took me a second. Yeah, but it totally makes they, sense. Uh, test makeup on uh, rabbits. Right, they do test makeup on rabbits and the whole chicken McNuggets pecking at a barbecue sauce. So my packet. question, if so, for for rabbits who wear makeup, uh, is is their makeup tested on humans? It should be, <laughs> or maybe that's the testing process. <laughs> I would do that. I would test rabbit makeup. I would do that. Would you? You know how we were gonna? You pulled that um, card earlier. That said that you should be a steward of the earth. Oh, and, is that what it said? The steward of an earth? Yeah, of the something earth? like okay. that. You uh-huh. know, remember to affirm your relationship with uh, cur- curating the environment. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a um, makeup tester for, for rabbit. Rabbit makeup. Yeah. Thank you, Banksy. It's Banksy? I think it's Banksy. I, I like that. That's clever. Banksy. I mean, and who knows if that's his real name? The truth will come out. If the truth is out probably there. A, probably a woman. <laughs> yeah. Like in uh, Ready Player One. Right, exactly. Did, did they do that in the movie where they made it look like that one of the main characters was a male and yes. his best friend was a male? Okay, they, they kept that. Very Good. much so. All right, since I just threw you off, can you... Yeah, uh, so let's circle around, circle back. Talk to so you about he dis- actually, Dismaland. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Okay. So right, he thanks. actually sold some of his work. His work isn't for sale, but I guess there's some auction houses that actually sell his things. And one of his works um, was sold for $576,000. So <laughs> his, <laughs> his non-worth is like $20 million. So even though he doesn't sell his art, and he never wanted to sell his art, he's still worth $20 million. So I don't know how that works, but I'd really like to know the formula for that so I could apply it to myself. <laughs> well, my non-worth, I'm at least a billion. Right. <laughs> Maybe two billion. Maybe a trillion. I am the most worthy non-worth. Yeah. Okay. I'm done. Okay. So his... His, uh, I guess, installation or exhibition called Disma Land is um, basically <laughs> mocks Disneyland. A and great it's a, name. A family theme park unsuitable for small children. I like that line. I read the article too. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it basically, um, with mock security guards and mouse eared employees that were instructed to frown instead of smile. And then um, there's one of the uh, installations is a wreck of Cinderella's carriage Uh with her body dangling (laughs) from the window lit by the flashes of paparazzi. (laughs) Was it a self-driving carriage? Uh, It could have been. It could have been. So when I read that, initially I went to Princess Diana, which is kind of sad and not funny. But on the other hand, it's like... You know, what if Cinderella did take Diana's famous ride and her fairy tale turned gruesome? I mean, what if Cinderella <clears throat> Cinderella's story ended that way? 
And a lot of times those fairy tales did. That one not, may, wasn't mm-hmm. that way in particular, but a lot of fairy tales have been cleaned up. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, so I like how he, you know, portrays societal issues and it just kind of makes you think how everything, like Disneyland, is the happiest place on earth. But is it really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think it I don't think it is for the workers, so I've heard. But um I liked I like the angle of basically makes you beg the question, what if Disney Disneyland was as bad as real life? And then I thought, yeah, what if it's as bad as real life? You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of fun. And then what if you had fun there? So it's as bad as real life and you had fun there. At Disneyland. Right. So what does that say? About anything. The fact that, oh, we're going to go to a special place and be miserable and have fun. <laughs> Couldn't I do that in my own life? <laughs> Can, <we do? laughs> Can I do that in my own life? Do I have to pay? We need to take. Can we still go? Is Disneyland still up? Do you know? No, it was only up for like a month. Because I'd like to go there with you and we should take Alexa. Right. Well, we can go in my self driving car. Okay, across the ocean. <laughs> Maybe we'll have a self-driving boat by then. So, so how was it received? How did people? What did people think of Disneyland? Well, I think some people liked it, eye-opening. Um, but some people thought of it like it wasn't wasn't funny mm-hmm. or ironic. Um, that it was kind of built like a joke. I think one of the presenters said that um, it's amazing having that that much sarcasm in one place. <laughs> I like that line too. <laughs> so um, I think it's it's you either like sarcasm or you don't. So like I think this is one of those instances. All that sarcasm in one place. Mm-hmm. Sarcasm is our kitsch. <laughs> it's a mechanical, formulaic um, pattern to keep us from being uh, spontaneous so that we can fit in with the sarcasm uh, endemic to our time. Something like that? Sure. <laughs> that should be our tagline. <laughs> What the fuck did she just Is say? Is that the technical term? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Banksy is very um, controversial. And it's that love-hate thing that the public has with his art. But I think it is eye-opening. It definitely makes you think about the stuff going on in today's world. And... Um, you know, he's just one of those brave artists that didn't care what people thought. And he spoke his mind and wanted to shake people up. So to me, that's good art if it shakes people up. Yeah, I like the commentary. I like the, the you know, just the, the juxtaposing. And I actually, I think he is saying more. Um, I didn't agree with everything that article um, uh, uh, said. 
I like the twists. And I like that he didn't, he's anonymous. I like that he at least tried. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I think that was because he didn't want to get arrested. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's a nice commentary. It's like, um, you know, I don't want to necessarily benefit from this and become part of the of the system, whatever that system is. A system of sarcasm. Well, and I think people don't like graffiti. And some of it... I like it if it looks good. ...is not good. <laughs> I get that. And they're more like taggers, mm-hmm. but like murals and, you know, on side of buildings, that sort of thing. When a tagger tags their name across a... A freeway sign. That gets kind of annoying. That's kind of annoying because you can't see what the freeway sign says. Oh, yeah. Right. So that kind of stuff is... Put it on the overpass instead. <laughs> Put it on the blank <laughs> cement thing. Give me something to look at while I'm driving by. So that's all I have for today. Um, what's on our next episode? On our next episode... Um, we are going to be talking about the vocabulary of sarcasm. We're going to be creating new language. Um, and this language is not just for people who are sarcastic, but are for people who like to, to use words to express things that there might not be words for. So we'll be presenting that. And uh, our second topic will be about um, stereotypes. Are stereotypes always a terrible thing? That's, That's what's up for next week. Those are two good ones. So until next time, thank you for listening to Women Who Sarcast. Thanks go out to Mike Imbasiani for the stellar show music. You can find him at MikeImbasiani.com. That's M-I-K-E-I-M-B-A-S. C-I-A-N-I dot com.